Lord. Uh, as we are starting a new chapter in this new year, let us bring new heart and new attitude as the old has gone, the new has come. Last week, we have studied specifically new attitudes God wants to have in this new chapter through the passage of Joshua 1, and where God was instructing Israelites as they were entering their new chapter in the promised land after transfer of the leadership from Moses to Joshua. And our theme for this year is be strong and courageous based on Joshua chapter 1. If you recall, there are three proper attitudes that we must have as we continue onward in 2024. The first is the attitude of courage. And this courage is not surely generated within ourselves, but it can be only generated by faith in Christ Jesus. Thus, our courage is generated by faith in Christ. And it will be manifested in our confidence in God's promise. And the foundation of our courage is not anchored in our abilities, but anchored in the promise of God's presence. So by faith, we move with courage, and that is anchored in the confidence in God's promise in Christ Jesus. That's the attitude of courage. Second is the attitude of obedience. The attitude of obedience is the same as the attitude of dependence. We obey because we depend on His Word. And we depend on God by obeying His Word. His Word is true. It is, his Word is powerful. His Word is everything to us. Thus, we must have this attitude of obedience as we navigate through this year. Last but not least, we must have the attitude of unity. We are in this together as a church. Um, this building up, this journey together as the people of God. Um, as just like the people of Joshua were called to fight together as one. And this year, it is my prayer that all of us, young and old, old and old, young, all of us, we will fight together as one for the kingdom of God as we seek his righteousness and his kingdom. Amen? Those are the attitudes that we must have. And it was the, basically a review of the last week. And you can always go back uh, to our YouTube channel uh, to uh, study uh, this passage. Now, in reality, this new year most likely will not be as smooth and easy ride as we want it to be. Let's be, let's be honest. Uh, let's not be too naive. It's going to be a bit hard because life is hard, especially in this fallen world. And we are living in a very interesting culture, which is very hostile against Christian faith today. Our brother Ricky was praying for those Christians in the Nigeria, even China, who are heavily persecuted. Make no mistake about it, even in our nation, the hostility against the Christian faith and Christian principle are being attacked. And it's going to be more and more present in our days. Again, it was already prophesied. Already the Lord has given us the warning 
and we are to continue to live by faith. But one thing that God promises us is this. Though this year might be hard, you might be difficult, possibly, but surely you will be victorious as the Lord is leading us according to his promise. Amen? It's victorious life that we are living today in Christ Jesus. As we activate our faith, we will learn to be faithful in our ministry, in our calling, in our lives, no matter what happens. And we shall experience the very power of God exerting within our lives this year. If you believe that, turn to the person next to you and say, Believe. Amen. <laughs> and by faith, surely we will open the eyes of the heart and see how God will give us victory after victory. And I am really anticipating for you to give testimonies of victory at the end of this year. At this juncture, perhaps we feel excitement inside looking forward to see what will happen and some of us are ready to charge i'm ready bring it on 2024 bring it on i shall be strong and courageous as the lord is promising us great perhaps we feel a bit nervous because we are nervous about unknown, the future. Even some doubts, as some of us are still in a bit skeptical, and very reasonable feelings, a reasonable state that we can be in. But whether we are fully ready or not, uh, this new chapter of conquering 2024 is here now, and it is already February. We spend about a whole month digesting, planting the theme that God has given us based on Joshua 1. And now it's time for us to move forward and conquer 2024. Amen? Intentionally, I'm using a very strong, militant, possibly word like conquer. But I, because I believe we need to wake up. Because time is flying. It's already February. We need to make the most of every opportunity that God has given us this year, 2024, and make difference for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. Time is running out. We must be alert. We must be strong and courageous. We must conquer what God has given us to do in this year. However, there is one more thing to do before we actually do anything in this new chapter in 2024 as we seek God's promise and build this church together as God's people. And there is a something we cannot overlook and neglect before we do anything as we study Joshua chapter 5 we read. Let us look at what Joshua and his people did next and learn to do next for the rest of the year, starting February. Are we ready? Let me give you brief backgrounds in what is actually happening. Most of us know the story of Jericho, right? The very the battle that the, the Joshua and his people fought. And the wall of Jericho came down as they obeyed God and 
went around the city for seven days. You guys remember that? Let me give you a very concise brief on the historical background up to this. Okay? Up to chapter 4, the Joshua and his people enter the promised land as they cross the Jordan River. We didn't read all that, but they experienced God's miraculous power for the first time in the promised land. You know what happened? If you look at Joshua chapter 2, God parted the Jordan River as he did in the Red Sea for Moses' generation. That was their entrance. Joshua said, let's go into the promised land, crossing the Jordan River. And what God did, as they were actually entering for the very first time to the promised land, the Jordan River was parted. Just like the Moses, when they were getting out of the Egypt, the God parted the Red Sea. What an entrance, isn't it? What an awesome entrance, awesome way to enter the promised land. Just like their parents' generation, Joshua and his generation started the journey with experiencing the power of God. Isn't that our journey started like that as well? When you first believed in Christ Jesus, he saved us from sin and death through his son Jesus, my brothers and sisters, forgiving us and giving us a new heart, new life to live. Do you know the greatest miraculous power of God is not parting the Red Sea, is not parting the Jordan River, but it is the power of resurrection, raising the dead to life. That's the powerful thing. And the first fruit of the resurrection, obviously we know, is Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you know that Jesus didn't come to make the bad people good, but he came to make dead people alive? If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, the Paul said, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Did you know, my brothers and sisters, before Christ, before we knew him, before we activated our faith to believe in, in him, We were dead in our transgressions. Our spirit was dead. In fact, all the non-Christians, I'm sorry to say, maybe it's a bold statement, they are spiritually dead. That's what the Bible says. That's why we cannot reach out to God. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross, rose again from the dead, became the very first fruit of the resurrection, giving us life to the people and say, you spiritually dead people, listen up. If you believe in me, you shall not perish but have eternal life. And just like I I live, you shall live. That's the book of John. You can live just like I live. That's Jesus. That is why Jesus is the most important person in the history of mankind. He is God, man. He's God himself incarnate. He is God and Lord and Savior. He is the only one who can save us from sin and death and transgressions. No wonder we come every day before God's presence and worship Jesus. Jesus is not ordinary man. He was a fully man, by the way, but he's also fully God. And we must believe in him. He says, for it is by God's grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. The most powerful, greatest 
miraculous power of God is the resurrection, raising the dead. And Jesus raised all of us from death. From death. Amen? That's why we are here today, as alive people, as a living people. As Jesus lives, we shall live with him forever. You get that? Man, you can live with power, confidence, with courage, and strength. Now, Joshua and the people of God, people of Joshua, were about to face the very first battle, the Jericho, the most fortified city in the promised land. Interesting. The very first enemy that had the must conquer was the greatest enemy in the land. The strongest enemy, I should say. And I'm sure everybody was excited, felt ready to conquer, especially after experiencing glorious entrance into the promised land, seeing God parting the river and making a way for them. Imagine, yes, God is with us. He's doing all kinds of powerful things, and I'm going to walk right in. Wow, amazing. And Joshua sent already sent two spies, and, and, the, and the spies came back with the help of unlike, unlikable ally, Rahab, the prostitute. And later on, the Rahab became the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Imagine this. Because she helped by faith all these uh, two spies that Joshua sent. We'll get, we will probably get into that a little bit more in detail later. But it is incredible character Rahab, the prostitute, who became the great, 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 great mother of Jesus Christ later on. But anyway, I'm sure that they felt prepared and ready to move. And even their enemies were trembling in fear because they heard about what God had done. And they're like, oh man, I'm sure all the Israelites and Joshua, they were like, we are ready to go, God. Yes, we are ready. Perhaps all of us, after we digest this theme, be strong and courageous for the, for the whole month. Now you're starting to get it in your spirit. Now, by faith, you start to believe, I can be strong and courageous in Christ Jesus. Yes, 2024, it will be the different year. And yes, I'm not going to remain the same. I'm going to move onward and forward, and I'm going to make difference. Maybe you are excited. Maybe you are ready. Great. You should be. But God said, wait. He said, wait. Look at verse 5, verse 2, Joshua chapter 5, we read. You know what he said? He said to Joshua, don't go in yet, but what? Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Huh? On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated Passover. That's verse 10. So two things, he said, we need to do before you actually go in and fight. Circumcise all men and have Passover. Okay, Have communion before you go in. What is going on? Before the fight, God wanted to make sure all men were circumcised? Why? 
That's a terrible move, God. Before you fight, you circumcise all men. They won't be able to move for at least a week. And maybe some of the women and girls, you don't understand. And most of us, we were probably circumcised, medically speaking, when uh, boys are born. If you ever have a circumcision, when you're adult, when you're grown up, I'm telling you, you won't be able to do anything for about, at least for three days for sure, but for some men for whole whole week. I was actually circumcised, I do the circumcision when I was fifth grade, and I could not move for two weeks. It took me two weeks for me. Okay. Very tough and hard. It's not a good move before you actually fight the greatest and strongest enemy in the land, God. But God said, hey, make sure every man is circumcised. Why is it so important that the first thing that God wanted, wanted, wanted to them to do is to make sure everybody gets circumcised? Why? What, what is a circumcision? If you look at Genesis chapter 17, the circumcision was the sign of the covenant between God and his people. Okay? You are to undergo circumcision. He's speaking to Abraham. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So God and Abraham and his descendants, God wanted to make sure his people understand, understood the everlasting covenant between God and them. That's why in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 17, after God called Abraham, after God actually, Abraham actually responded by faith, he says, now make a covenant with me. You be my people forever, I will be your God forever. And he said, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. Circumcision is the sign of the covenant between you and me and you, Abraham. My covenant in your flesh is to be everlasting covenant. It's a sign. It's not just the, the physical act has some kind of power, the circumcision medically is going to help you. No, he's saying you will be different from the rest of the land and rest of the people. You will be my people. And the sign is a circumcision. Remember, you are my people. Remember, I'm your God. That's what it means. Remember, God is God of covenant. He makes the covenant with his people and never breaks the covenant. And God is the ultimate faithful covenant partner. That's what God is saying. Now, here, before his people start to pursue the promise, God wanted his people to understood their identity as the covenant people of God. God is our God. We are God's people. Same thing. Before we do anything this year, God wants us to understand as God's people, our identity as the covenant people of God. Everyone say covenant. God is our God. We are his people through Jesus Christ. God, he wanted to make sure that everybody in Joshua's generation understood the identity of God's people. By the way, you might wonder why these people did not get circumcision like their fathers. If you remember their fathers, the Moses generation, as they are coming out, getting out of Egypt, they were all circumcised as they were getting ready to come out of Egypt. Again, God reminds his people of their identity in himself. 
as the covenant people of God before God leads his people to a new chapter of their lives. So before they're getting out of the Egypt, guess what? God said to the Moses and all his generation and say, make sure you get circum- do the circumcision upon the all men because that's the sign of covenant. However, why did the people of Joshua generation not get circumcision? Isn't it kind of interesting? If you read, this is what it says. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all men of the military age, we're talking about Moses' generation, they died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. We all know that. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. Interesting. All this Joshua generation, new people, the descendants of the Moses generation, none of them were circumcised. Wait a minute, what about all the Moses people? They were, came out of Egypt and God told them to do so. How come these people did not do the circumcision on their kids. It is strange that none of the males who were born in the desert were circumcised. None. Uh, In fact, perhaps the fact that Israel was always on the move, maybe you might say, it's very hard because you are in the wilderness. How can we circumcise? I don't think it is an adequate explanation because the circumcision was supposed to to be done within eight days after the birth of a boy. You wouldn't matter. You'd be very quick, and they will get healed very quick too. This is what happened, I believe. I think it's because their fathers, the generation of Moses, who died in the desert, they actually neglected and suspended the sign of the covenant. They did not pass on the sign of the covenant, meaning they did not pass on their faith to these people. Isn't this sad? They did not care about the covenant. They were disobedient. And always complaining against God and the Moses that they could not care less about circumcising their sons, the generations of Joshua. They did not believe in the God of covenant. No wonder none of them made into the promised land. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land they had solemnly promised So he raised up their sons, the people of Joshua, in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. So the first thing God does in the promised land is reinstating reinstating the circumcision. Your father's failed to transfer their faith to you. Your fathers failed to continue the covenant upon you, but you, now you know who I am. Now I would like to make sure you know, reinstate, you know the covenant between me and you by reinstating the circumcision. 
That's what he's doing. He's making sure you new people of Joshua generation don't forget who I am. Know who you are. My brothers and sisters, what can we learn? As we are moving onward toward the promise of God in this year, we must remember and reaffirm the covenant of God and our identity as the covenant people of God. You must remember. You cannot forget. Surely our sign of covenant is not the physical circumcision, but is the circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Romans 2.29. In fact, some early Christians, they actually thought, especially the Jewish Christian, Jew who were once they were Jew and became a Christian, they actually forced Gentile Christians who are not circumcised to stay this. To be Christian, you have to physically circumcised or you are not a Christian. Paul, the super Jew, he was a super Jew. Why? Because he was the Pharisee. He, he kept the law. He was like the man amongst the Jewish community. He actually said in Galatians, no, you don't have to physically, Gentile Christians, you don't have to be physically circumcised. You know why? Because your circumcision is done spiritually through Christ by faith. Look at it. The circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. However, the idea, the concept, the notion of circumcision as the sign of covenant is still here, right? We must remember who God is and who we are in God. We must be reminded of our beginning as the believer, how God saved us, sustained us, and, leading, and is leading us right now with the Spirit. Oh, and he will bring us to the glory. And we shall be the successor of God's glory. We must believe that. We were sinners who deserve to be under condemnation. Yet through Jesus Christ, God gave us the way and the truth and the life and invited us into the freedom of loving relationship with him. That's the gospel message. Through the gospel, we have received Christ. And as we are received the Christ, as we believed, we were baptized in the Lord. Therefore, baptism, just like the Old Testament circumcision, baptism is a sign of covenant, the spiritual circumcision for all of us. That's why all believers are commanded to be what? Baptized, right? After you believe and exercise your faith and you believe in the Lord, now he says, now you are a believer and you are my people. Now as a sign of my covenant with you in Christ Jesus, you are to be baptized. Old Testament circumcision, New Testament baptism. That's why we baptize people. And you enter into the covenant family of Christ through baptism. But when we are disobedient like the generation of Moses in the desert, complaining all the time, by the way, they were known for complaining and grumbling, remember, about our, our, their lives. If we are like that, 
If we are the disobedient people, if we, we, when we are disobedient like the generation of Moses in the desert, complaining all the time about our lives against God, I'm telling you, we would forget our identity and our covenant and our God ultimately. Imagine what will happen to all of us. When we forget our identity and covenant, we will also forget our convictions, our commitments, and eventually our calling. Just like what, they, what, they, what happened to them in the desert. We indeed forget who we are in God and our covenant with God and, our covenant, uh, and who God is when we complain and disobey. That's why complaining is a very, very scary thing. Again, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. As a new creation now, let us never forget our identity, our covenant, and our, with our God. Amen? We cannot forget. We keep reminding ourselves with the covenant that God has made. That's why we come to church and we remind ourselves, hey, we know who God is and he loves us and we are reaffirming our faith. We are affirming our identity. We are being recharged and re we are being rejuvenated. We are being what? Renewed every time. Every time in the morning, you hold on to the, the mercy and grace of God that is new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. And we can enter into this relationship with God. And he will lead you and guide you every day. That's the way of Christian life. That's why we are here today. It is my prayer as a new creation. We will never forget our identity, who we are. Isn't it true? What, when do we sin? When we sin, we forget who we are. We forget. When we forget who we are and God's people, we will do sin. That's a very natural reaction, isn't it? Why do we sin? Because we forget who we are. We forget God is there. Right? Now, not only did Joshua and his people get circumcised, remembering and reaffirming the covenant, what did they do? They also celebrated Passover together. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, wild camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. Israel celebrated the Passover in the promised land for the first time on the same day of the year as they first celebrated before the leaving the land of Egypt. Interesting. The same day. They were supposed to keep observing and celebrating Passover every year. Yet again, the generation of Moses neglected during the years of the, this desert, just as the circumcision had been. Now, the Passover is the sign of fellowship. Sign of fellowship in the mercy of God. Remembering his saving grace. Remember Passover? God sends the angel of death to the household in the Egypt. If you put the, what, the blood of the lamb on the doorstep, the angel of death shall see the blood and say, I will pass over this house. And he moves on to the next. Remember that? That's why we call it Passover. Remembering God's mercy and grace. The forgiveness was upon the household as the 
blood of the lamb was on the doorstep. That what is what they're celebrating Passover. Here, Joshua and his people are doing the Passover, celebrating Passover for the first time in the promised land before conquering. But did you know, my brothers and sisters, the Passover is basically Christ, celebrating Christ. How? Well, Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. Just like the Israelites who had to slay the lamb, get, their, get its blood, putting on the doorstep, doorpost, so that the, the angel of death shall pass by, just like Passover. So they are celebrating God's mercy. Now, who is the ultimate lamb of God? As John the Baptist shouted when he saw for the first time Jesus Christ approaching to be baptized, he said, look, the lamb of God who takes the sins of the whole world. He's talking about the cross and say, on the cross, Jesus will shall shed his blood and through his blood, as you put the blood of Christ on the doorstep, doorpost of your heart, the angel of death shall not come into you and kill you. He will pass over you. That is what Christ has done for us. Jesus is the Passover lamb. You know, the Israelites were on the Old Testament. They did not know the identity. They did not know who Jesus was, the Savior, the Messiah was. They were waiting for him. But as they were celebrating every year the Passover, what do they, they, they did not realize is this. They were celebrating Jesus is to come. Even till this day, a lot of Jewish friends, they are celebrating the Passover. We need to remind them and say, guess what? The Passover that you are celebrating, you are celebrating the Messiah. But the Messiah already came. He shed his blood on the cross. It's all connected, my brothers and sisters. It's not a new, new, new things. That's why Jesus said, I did not come here to abolish the law of Moses and all the traditions that you have. I'm here to fulfill it. I'm the ultimate lamb of God. I shed my blood on the cross. And whoever believes in him shall not perish. Whoever believes and take my blood. And that's what he said. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It kind of sounds a bit, a bit crazy. But that's what it was. That's what he meant. Spiritually speaking, if you truly believe in me that I die for you on the cross and shed my blood for you, if you believe that, oh, the cover, you will receive the blood of the lamb. He will cover you just like it was covering the doorpost of the Israelites in the Exodus. Just like that, you will be covered by the blood of Christ and the death cannot touch you. What can we learn here? That's Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying and God is saying. As you are doing the past, celebrating the Passover, remember who I am. Remember what I have done for you. Did you know, my brothers and sisters, God desires fellowship with us before our service. Before anything else, God wants us to make sure we have fellowship with him, union with him, unity with him. Also with one another as a body of Christ. Remembering, affirming who he is and who we are in him. That's what the Passover is. That's what the Holy Communion is, isn't it? He wants to have fellowship. He's saying, 
Ah, remember my grace, my mercy. I have saved you. Have fellowship with me. Sit down. Take bread. Drink. Couple of thousand years later, ultimate Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples and constituted them the new people of God under the new covenant. Remember? Passover, Passover feast, he was having the communion. He made it ultimate. It's not just the Passover. You are celebrating Passover. You are celebrating me. Remember? That's what the Holy Communion is, my brothers and sisters. That's what we do here. We remember his grace. We reassuring his, our relationship with him. We become like him. We become one with him. And we become one with one another. Holy Communion. Don't come habitually thinking this is something I do. It's a ritual. No, it is not a ritual. Beyond that. More than that. Again, the old Passover under the old covenant has gone. The new Lord's Supper has come under the new covenant. That's why Jesus said, he doesn't even say, this is the blood of the Passover lamb. He said, this is my blood, the ultimate Passover lamb. This is it. And this is the blood of the new covenant. He fulfills all the covenants that is there in the Old Testament. He fulfills the, the Noahic, Abrahamic, you know, the Mosaic, Davidic covenant. Everything. It's all about me. And I'm here today. Eat with me, my, my friend, my disciples, my people. Come to my table. Let's eat together. Let's reaffirm our relationship together. Let's be one together. You take this bread. You drink this blood. Take my flesh. Take my blood. Take it. You be one with me. Have fellowship with me. Have relationship with me. That's what he's doing. Before we do anything else, therefore, we must focus on our relationship with God. God does not just desire your service, your performance, doing something for the Lord. Oh, I do this, I do that for you. Great. But before that, you know what he wants? He wants you. I want you. Before you do something for me, I want you, your heart. I want your devotion. I want your presence. I want you to be one with me. The Lord's Supper therefore, is a spiritual symbol of reaffirming our, our unity with God and with one another. Before we go into the battle, or battlefield of life, before we are about to conquer with the power of God toward God's promise, before we serve the ministry with passion, let us never forget that we have a relationship with Him. And our relationship comes first before service. Amen? We will build this church together, yes, with the new attitudes. Yes, you will continue to live out your life as a family of Christ as we participate. But I'll tell you, we will move forward not just by doing things, but we will move forward with God as we seek Him, as we become one with Him. That's what Passover 
that Joshua was commanded to do with his people. Before you conquer, before you actually go out and fight, make sure you know who you are. Make sure you have a relationship with me. Make sure you have the sense of unity with me. My brothers and sisters, we need to remember the identity and unity in the covenant with Christ Jesus. The circumcision of the heart, the fellowship in the spirit. That's our first step as we wait for the more specific direction for your life, for your family, for the church family. Be strong and courageous as you wait for the Lord, as you are led by the spirit. Focus on him today. That's the start of all this. You focus on him. And we seek God. And as we do so, he will lead us and guide us. And when, we, when he, he is with us, guess what? He is moving amongst us, for us, in front of us, before us, as you say. And now is the time for us to reaffirm our identity today in Christ and strengthen our unity in Christ. And when we do, oh yes, we shall see God's power exerting in our lives that we can experience the victory in your life. We need Christ today. Receive him. Drink his blood. Drink, eat his flesh. Meaning come to the Lord's Supper. And receive. Amen? Let's focus on Christ. The person of Christ. Not just the power of Christ, but the person of Christ. That's the first thing. Then the power of Christ you shall experience but we must seek the person of Christ. It is my prayer as we continue in 2024, we will seek Jesus more than any, anyone else, more than anything else. Let's pray.